This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are looking for therapy and not able to get something right away locally, you can do that with them. Within 48 hours, you can find a therapist to get on telehealth with you. I mean, it's I haven't heard anything but great things from people that have already done it that watch my show or listen to my show. If you're looking to get 10% off your first month, you can go to betterhelp.com backslash MJ's PNP MCA. That is betterhelp.com slash MJ's PNP MCA. Welcome back to another episode of MJ's Progress Not Perfection, and I'm back again for her third time. Third? I think it's your third. Third. Is Chrissy. Um, four, no, third by yourself, but you did four because you did a panel, I think, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah. For the Ohio girls. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so you, you've been, this is your fourth time technically on. I took a long break. I needed to, you know, as I've said in other episodes, but I needed the break. I needed the hiatus. I needed, I needed to work. I'm back to work. Like, this isn't my full-time job anymore, so, like, I'm back to working so it's taking up a lot of my time of where I can, like, do this. So what's been going on? Because we lost touch for a minute. Um, and just because you're living your life, I'm living my life. You were avoiding people because I think we're going to get into it. Um, but, yeah, like, we didn't talk for, like, four months. But that was definitely 50% both ways. Like, it wasn't like you were ignoring my text. It wasn't like I was hitting you up every day and it was just like leaving me on red. It was that you were living and I was living and both doing pretty shitty about it, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> what's been going on with you? You have a new sober date? I do. Um, July 15th, 2022. Okay. So yep. what What was it? What ended up happening? Um. Well, to be honest with you, I lost my job. I resigned. So I didn't have health care. So I thought, because it's been on my heart for like over a year, I thought it would be a great time to get off my Adderall since I wasn't having health care. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. Also, it was a great time. It gave me the freedom, flexibility to cope with and deal with things how I needed to during that time through withdrawal and what have you. So were you addicted to Adderall? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And yeah. Like, but this was, it, it didn't feel like it was as taboo because you were getting them through your doctor and filling them at a regular pharmacy, so you didn't feel like it was an addiction. Right, and I got a crap ton of them, so it's like I had so much leisure i guess to just take them how i wanted without anybody noticing because if you were working before then it was a lot easier to just like you weren't you didn't have moments of boredom to like escape you were too busy with work to be able to escape into a drug right right and but now you're working again yes and that's exciting, but I think the most exciting thing is this came, you quitting Adderall came before this new job, right? Yeah, it had to happen. Why did it have to happen? 
I just wasn't functioning. Like my relationships all were struggling. Um, being a mom was struggling. Everything was just struggling because of my addiction. Even though it, then that's like what we think about people is, oh, they're successful. They have a job, a house, a car, kids are taking care of blah, blah, blah. But there's this addiction and it's, it's still there. And it's like, we don't realize that unless it's somebody sticking a needle in their arm, you know, with not being able to meet their needs, then it's an addiction, then it's a problem. But no, it was a problem for me. And I pretty much had my shit together. And I think yeah. a lot of people can relate to that. Um, I think a lot of things like people get a, a, like obsessed with an addiction is a substance and addiction is a, you're addicted to a sub when they don't realize like I wasn't an alcoholic because I drank everybody under the table. In fact, I know plenty of people who are not alcoholics who could out drink me, but they're not alcoholics because they don't drink to escape. They drink to literally have fun. And then I would drink to escape. And that's why I'm an alcoholic is I would, if, if it's all about your relationship with something, if you're doing something like Adderall or drinking to the point where you're hiding it in shame, that's probably your sign that you probably, you're drinking too much. If you're watching it and listening or listening, and I hope you're listening if you're watching um, if you're listening to this, regardless of how you're taking in the information, if you're feeling like you're hiding your drinking, it might be a problem, like a huge problem if you feel like you need to hide it. And I'm not saying you were hiding drinking. I'm just saying that's the most one that's like, I think that's the biggest one that people are like in doubt that they're an alcoholic. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And it's so um, normalized, legal. Uh, actually, 20 minutes before you hit me up, I was at the grocery store and I'm having kind of a, I guess, a down day. And so I walked past some high noons and I'm like, I'm going to go home and drink and clean my house. And I'm like, 9.99. Like, no, you're not. Like, oh, kept it moving. But, you know, who who would think different if I, I did, you know? Yeah, yeah. The I girl, would, but yeah, the girl ringing you out is not like here's another alcoholic through my line. No, that's not what they're thinking when they're ringing you out. They're like, oh, she's gonna have fun tonight. Like knowing I was just going to escape my life and just <laughs> or trying to just drink alone. I mean, if you're drinking alone, that's probably your sign too. Like. It's one thing, I guess, to come home from the bar with a bunch of friends and then you're home and then you have another drink because you've already been drinking. I guess that's not considered alone because you start it with many. But, you know, even then, if you feel like you need to have a drink to cap off your night, maybe rethink some things. Take take a year. If you can't go a year without drinking, and I'm not, again, I'm not talking directly to you, Chrissy. I mean, in general, like, if you can go a year without drinking and tell me that your life isn't imaginably better than it was before, I might call you a liar. Most people, like, what about you? What do you think? Like, because drinking was one of your biggest things, wasn't it? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you know, I can live fine without it. Um, now for me, drinking is like, I don't like the way I feel for days or even weeks after I binge drink. 
I drink Friday, Saturday. Like, I just don't function the same. I don't have the same motivation. I don't focus on goals. I'm just like in that survival mode again. So it, it does bring me back, like regressed, regressed quite a bit. And were you drinking also eventually on top of the Adderall or was it just, Oh yeah, I've been, I've been, well, no, I've been drinking since I was 11. I stopped last year with the binge drinking. Um, there's been a few times I've had drinks or even gotten buzzed, but, um, it's not been like more than one night or even more than one week in a row. So it's been sporadic. Um, one time in Florida in January, um, a couple weeks ago, but you know, so it's not like I'm, it's a pattern, but not with that. With the Adderall was my biggest issue a year ago. And then a year ago I cut the alcohol out. So so it, is it that you were taking what made it the issue that about the Adderall was the how many you were taking or were you buying off I the would, streets eventually? No, it was just how much and how much I would take. Like at work, I didn't realize how just unhappy I was at work and how if I was a little more frustrated than before, I'm like, I'm going to take a 10 just because I can. And I'm going to take a 10 just because this is shit. And I'm going to take another 10 because I'm going to, you know, I want to go home and get stuff. It was just a crutch. Like, like, yeah, it was, there was, you know, and I would get my daily two times a day, 30 milligrams. And then I would get 30, 10 milligrams for whenever it was supposed to be in the evening. But, you know, you, I just had too much freedom and so were you um snorting them? No. Okay, I'm just I wasn't sure how much down the rabbit hole you went you went into, you know what I mean? Like I have grown like I like I said I've been addicted since 11, like I've been doing things. So I've been through all, you know, snorting pills. I've been through all that. So also why I thought it wasn't a problem. Well, it's not like I'm snorting them or shooting them up like it was part of your lie um, that you were telling yourself was at least I'm not snorting them. This could be much worse if I was snorting. Then it would be Chrissy. Then it's a problem. <clears throat> you know what I mean? It's that kind of self-talk where it's like, no, 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 you're fine, girl. You got this. Um, I remember, I still think to this day, all the times you said to me and you, I'm sure, I don't know if you still say it, but you should, you're the average of the five people you keep around you. Yeah. And uh, that's really hitting hard today because when you're not doing the same things you used to do, you look around sometimes and it's like, I got to find new people to be around and I'm lonely. But the problem is, is what kind of people that you want into your life? Like, do you want the positives? Do you want the, the Katie's out there that just wrapped up what book five or something like that? Right. Like just, yeah. But were you, but you weren't even drinking with anybody. So it was the, it was, you were doing it by yourself, but knowing what you were doing. Right. And nobody knew I struggled with that at all. I think I mentioned to you before, like I'm trying to cut back. I don't even think, I don't even, I was just as surprised to hear Adderall. I wasn't expecting you to say Adderall. I thought maybe you were drinking oh. again or something, but no, yeah. nope, not the, not the drinking. It's been an ongoing thing since probably 2012, 13. I mean, it did affect your um, friendships, and, obviously. I mean, we stopped, not that we stopped being friends, but 
we weren't keeping communication. We weren't, you know, talking. It affected, yeah, every relationship I have, friendship, family relationship. Um, and it's just, it would bring me up and down and there, it'd be on a, I'd be on a constant roller coaster, like less sleep tonight, you know, functioning on no sleep, like mood swings. Um, it gave me a little bit of bipolar, um, just so many additional mental health issues were tacked on. And so then I'm medicating to cope with that. And, um, I cut off all my medications and, um, got back to what I know. Cause I've been sober, sober before. So I feel really great. So you're off like all mood stabilizers. What are you, if I was a psychiatrist, what are you like, bi- you are bipolar or was the Adderall making you bipolar? I think the Adderall was contributing to that. Um, I do have PTSD, which I have CPTSD, but CPTSD isn't identified um, or recognized by the DSM-5. But anyway, so I think that a lot of that was what I had. And um, a lot of like the trauma in my childhood and life, it presents as ADHD. It presents as a borderline um but I think like I've had a lot of therapy and I've learned ways to cope and re rewire my nervous system and I'm more regulated. So I don't identify with any of those at this time. So what is the difference between PTSD and CTP, CPT? What, what is that difference besides the C? Um, complex trauma is traumas that you experience throughout you know, over and over, maybe different traumas or same traumas. PTSD is more of an isolated event um, that happened. Like, you know, for example, I don't want to use my ex-husband, but he went off to war and probably that was a major event that he got that com- or that trauma from. So he's diagnosed PTSD, whereas I grew up from birth in domestic violence with addicts and trauma after trauma, sexual abuse several times, you know, so those are all traumas accumulating. So it's complex. Okay. So it's not, okay. That makes a lot of sense then that it would be PTSD to you if it happened once, like going off the floor is something that happens once. So everything that happens there under that one time falls under the PTSD umbrella because you went to war to begin with. Um, so somebody could technically have grown up with CTPSD, P- CTPTSD, and then go off to war and then have both CT and regular P. That sounded weird. That, even as I said it, it sounded weird. <laughs> I, yeah, I think more the PTSD is just an isolated event. Um, you get in a car accident, like you're not experiencing traumas after traumas. Um, the C, I think, is like complex like there's a lot of traumas a lot of layers to the unwrap are you in therapy still though um uh, my last therapy session was in august and i think like i've worked with her around four years i think i'm at the crossroads where i'm like okay you know i think i'm ready to go out and utilize all the tools and skills that i know um, so I think I'm like, that's coming to an end and, you know, we both feel great I, about it. I, 
Okay, because I feel like therapists are like relationships where you have different ones in different parts of your lives and they all have different... Like, because my therapist that I had four years ago in L.A. in rehab was amazing, but we talked about all the things that landed me in rehab. And now I have therapy today that I talk about the goings-on of the day-to-day, but have nothing to do with me going off to rehab. So for me, it's nice having a new therapist now that's different that I could start over with and talk about me sober needing help as opposed to me needing help because I'm a drug addict. So like, I feel like you can go through different phases in sobriety where you should switch up your, you should, cause then it's too comfortable. If you've been with the same person for a while, therapy wise, then it's almost like your buddy, you know, you're talking to your therapist, like you talk to your buddy and then they can, They'll say something. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, because you know it is what it is, you know. But if when you switch it up, it's more. I don't. For me, it's worked. Um, and I didn't do it on purpose. I'd probably still have the same therapist from four years ago if I didn't have to switch to a new one. But I'm really glad it worked out that way because I've noticed in our sessions I don't ever talk about addiction. I don't talk about you know, things uh, like me, me having, I don't have wants to do, get, do drugs anymore. I'm sure I have needs, but I don't want to whatsoever. I have plenty of things that I should need to do. I need more water in my day, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all work in progress, but I think it was important to me having a new therapist now because I can talk about shit that she doesn't know that JD from his twenties that my therapist four years ago met my therapist four years ago met JD walking into therapy for the first time at 31 after a decade of, of pills and two decades of drinking with a lot to unwrap. And now I'm at that point in therapy where like, I want to talk about the last week or two. So I, I went like a two year break without any therapy whatsoever, maybe even three years. Yeah. Um, I don't do regular therapy. I do um, EMDR, and so that's like bilateral movements and like rewiring the nervous system. Um, talk therapy has never been my thing. I do a lot of writing, journaling, and stuff like that. But because um, you were going to write on, start yeah. on writing a book last time we talked. Yeah, I started. Okay, you I did started. start. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. How now? What is this book going to be about? Uh, I have so many com- like parts, but I think like one of the main things that I, the stories I want to tell is this relationship that I had with, you know, Luke, which was very traumatic. And um, I think it needs to be told, but also relates that to parts of my life and things that I learned about myself in my childhood through that relationship. Because you were dating a cop. He was a cop, so I got a restraining order on him. Wait, is he not a cop anymore? Mm-mm. Can you be a cop no. with a restraining order against you? No. No. They they actually let him resign, but um, he had broken into my window, sexually assaulted me in front of um, a couple people that I had at my house. Uh, that's when I got the restraining order, but you know trauma 
bonds are crazy. So we had this dysfunctional relationship, um, which is part of the reason why I was so isolated. Like I didn't have good, strong friend, like relationships with my friends. And even Katie, she's been on my lives before. And, you know, there's been times he's like grabbed my phone out of my hand and just so much dysfunction, so much mental abuse and um at one point it turned me into him if that makes sense like it what so there's what's that saying in batman if like you start hanging around the darkness long enough you start seeing yourself be part of the problem or some shit like i don't know some kind of batman saying but yeah you you hang around it enough you're gonna start doing it yeah so i would you know it was just so toxic and that's all I can really say like him and I going no contact has been really really hard but also really necessary and you know it's for the best like being only good like I've reestablished relationships with my family um, my friends um, I don't feel so isolated like nobody cares about you he would say like why do you think people aren't reaching out to you? Because I'm the only one who cares. Like, I'm always going to be here. Don't you see that? Like, and I'd be like, shit, that's kind of right. Like, I don't know how I let myself get that far. I know better. To your credit, it's not like you left me on red. I don't, I, I swear you didn't open our, my last message to you for like four months because like when you eventually reach back out, it was like just red. You know what I mean? Like literally you had just read it. And I'm like, my message was sent to you like in like April. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, she wasn't, that's when I knew right away. Well, it wasn't personal, JD. You know what I mean? Or else she just would never even fucking responded. Yeah. April was bad. Um, March, pretty much it started like at the beginning of the year, but it got bad in March, April, May. Had a few issues in June. Um, July's when it really just shut down. So it's been it's been great. It's been hard too, very hard. April, I was a month into my hiatus, and it got so bad that um, I went eleven days without sleep in a row, and then I slept for five hours, and then went nine straight more days. Wow. While while my doctors were prescribing me, um, like fucking what's what's the biggest Ambien, you know what I mean? Like they were giving me the the meds. It just wouldn't, like Ambien did not touch me, and like I was and I I would take my Ambien and then like hide my phone for myself so I couldn't like do dumb shit or like pull Roseanne, Roseanne and like post dumb shit while sleepwalking on Ambien. So there's two parts to that. One, I didn't sleepwalk on Ambien. Two, I sleepwalk now on a different drug, Zyprexa. And Zyprexa works for me to actually sleep. Turns out I'm OCD. Didn't know that until recently. Um, Like literally learned that three months ago that I have OCD. I thought just because I'm not shutting windows and I leave my car unlocked all the time. I'm not, I can't be OCD. No, I'm OCD about numbers. I did not realize how OCD I was about numbers. Um, it's pretty insane. And to the point I would drive myself where I couldn't sleep. So they were trying to medicate me to knock me out and nothing was doing. And then finally we tested enough different concoctions 
to the point where I got to take a sleeping pill at like 5.30 to tire me out. Then I got to take another one at like 10.30 to knock me out. And that's the only way I get sleep. If I don't take those sleep meds, I'm awake for 18, 20, 50 hours. Jesus. Yeah. So I'm sleeping again almost too much to the point where I am. My wife has caught me sleepwalking multiple times. And she's even like, she's on these steroids for her MS, so she doesn't sleep as well now. And she'll be up all night painting. Like, she's painting most of the stuff behind me now. And um, she'll be awake painting. And, like, the other day she said I sat up, looked at her, and then she told me to lay back down. And I just dropped <laughs> back down. Because I, I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know what's... I mean, I kind of know I'm... I'm I'm working a job that, like, you get yelled at all day. No one calls their doctor in hopes to have a fun interaction with a funny guy. No, Everybody that calls me is dreading to talk to me. And because I've been that guy, too, on the other side of the phone. I never want them to call in. So, like, I'll try to make a game of it. If I'm in, the, in a good mood, if I take my meds and I'm, like, feeling better about what I'm doing... I'll try to make every single person laugh that I talk to in that three to five minute phone conversation. I'll try to make them laugh, but most of the time it is like, there's a reason I'm back in therapy and psychiatry now. Like I'm back in both. And it's not because I have health benefits all of a sudden. It is, (laughs) you know, I don't even have health benefits through my job because I I did I had COVID in January and I couldn't sign up for them on time. Like my I had oh. I had brain fog, and I couldn't even think straight for like two weeks straight. And I, I missed you know how you have like a window to sign up for insurance when you start a new job. I missed that mm-hmm. window by like two weeks, so I have to wait for open enrollment. So right now I have like shitty county insurance that's like through the state free kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But man, I, every day is different. I wake up and I'm trying to do positive shit, trying to stay out of my head because in my head is the worst place I could be. What are you doing? Like, the did we already make plans to do this when you were walking through the store and you saw the drinks sitting there or no, um, you, when I was leaving the store and checked out and everything is when we had plans. But what am I doing in terms of what? Like, well, so, you was it strictly the price tag that told you no? No, it was the, uh, first of all, don't be weak. Second of all, you're going to feel like shit. Third of all, who knows what's going to come of that, like, you get, you know, you start drinking, you get a little buzz, and you start feeling all kinds of ambitious, like, oh, let me hit this person up, let me hit this person up, uh, which just triggered me to think about um, the last time I was impulsive and drank, I put myself in a situation to be sexually assaulted again. So I don't they go hand in that. hand? Do they go hand in hand? Do you think because you loosen your inhibition when you're drinking, so that is that what you're saying? No, I just, um, I, uh, what, what month are we in? About a month ago, I was out downtown. My friend and I were out. We had 
dinner. We had a couple beers. I had a buzz. I was going to go and I hit up my friend. She's really not my friend, but I guess he's my friend. I don't know. Um, and I met up with him before I went home and it was pretty early in the night. He and I, he offered me a drink and I just took it because I'd already been drinking. Honest to God, I think he date raped me. Um, I couldn't walk for some reason. We were at his barber shop, which wasn't his house because I had no intentions of staying the night because I was completely fine. I just was like, you know, more outgoing for whatever reason. We, I couldn't walk. We ended up at his house. And um, the last thing I remember, because I could not walk, like, let me emphasize that. I could not walk. This is so weird for me. Um, we, I don't know, but the last thing I remember was saying goodnight. And he said, don't make any TikToks about this. You promise? And I'm like, oh, I promise. Because he has been on my TikTok. Because his, him and his brother, like, um, and that's the last thing I remember. Then I woke up with him on top of me. And I woke up without my underwear. And um, it just really didn't sit well. I blocked him on everything the next day. And I let a few days go by. And I noticed this like my routines were getting messed up I wasn't waking up to exercise or to meditate and so then I decided to file a police report which I know nothing's going to come of it likely um I don't know I how likely that for I'm, myself. I'm, yeah I mean why not just in case who knows who else he's doing this to he for sure thought he could get away with it and that's the thing that rubs me wrong is like you thought like and me, like, come on, you know, I'm definitely make. I'm not making a TikTok about it for sure. I'm gonna do what I can because I know he's gonna shit his pants when he like has to talk to a detective. Like, what he did was wrong, and it, you know. And then I kind of never see that said side I can't make a TikTok about it. <laughs> I mean, I will. I mean, I can and I will, but I'm just kind of like I know. this like I know. weird like. How could somebody, like, it doesn't matter if I've had sex, like, the police were questioning me. I'm like, it doesn't matter if I've had sex with him before. Like, it doesn't matter if I told him no. I, I was pretty much incapacitated. Like, I couldn't walk. <laughs> yeah, it does, it, it, it does matter that you couldn't walk. Like, these are all things that should be taken seriously because, yeah, you might have learned your lesson to hang out with that dude. But who's to say he's not doing this to anybody he meets at the bar throughout the week? Let's go back to my barber shop. I'm like, it'll be cool. We'll drink around the chairs that I cut hair on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's somebody I've known. And, like, it's just been a So why, yeah, why wouldn't you be able to trust him? Yeah, I'll go back to your barber yeah. shop. Yeah, so I just know that sometimes I want to, like, I crave connection and, you know, and so maybe I, my thought was, like, if I drink, like, who knows if I'm going to get done what I want to get done. I want to get my house clean today. Like, it's nice outside. I want, I want to be able to cuddle in bed tonight and watch a movie and know my shit's done. And if I get drunk or if I get buzzed even, I don't know that that's going to happen. And I don't want to set myself up for failure. I want to wake up. You would. I know I... for sure you would have ignored me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if if you had had that beer in your bag, walking out the yeah. store, and you saw me text you, I'm like, fuck him. Phone back into right. purse. I... Yep. All that shame would have come over me. 
and then you would have drank even harder. You could have turned back in and got more. Like, well, I already dipped into it now. Yeah. Yeah, I would have definitely been at the gas station later because the four-pack wasn't going to do it. I know that, like, and then, like, the shame is another thing that, like, affected my relationship was just the shame. Shame is a silent killer. It really, it like, they literally made a monster out of it in the show um, Big Mouth. Like, Big Mouth is a cartoon on Netflix, and it's very funny. It's all about these kids in middle school, and it's about puberty. It's all about, like, the, the uncomfortable parts. Um, and there's a hormone monster, because your hormones are through the roof, so they're monsters. But then there's the anxiety ant, you know what I mean? And who has anxiety and teaches you about anxiety. But there's also a shame wizard. And all he does is teach middle schoolers how to feel shame. And he's supposed to bring down the episode and be the bad guys. And all, he's dressed like death, like in an all black cloak. You know what I mean? But he's called the shame wizard. And all his job is is to give these kids to learn what shame is. Because we learn what shame is when we are in middle school. That's when you get bullied for the first time. That's when you're getting made fun of because you're changing in gym and you're fat. You know what I mean? And somebody sees it for the first time. And I'm saying you, but I'm talking about me. Um, but the shame wizard, definitely, you don't feel any shame. That's why kids run around naked all the time when they're five, six years old. They're still running around their diapers if they're wearing them. I don't know. I didn't have a kid till I was five. That, that sounded weird. I didn't have a kid that was younger than five because I'm a stepdad. So I don't know when they lose their diapers. But either way, I know the little kids have zero fucking fucks to give and have no shame. And then you see that kid as a teenager and they're wearing baggy clothes and they're hiding their entire body and they have shame of it. Yeah, interesting. Um, you should watch yeah. Big Mouth. <laughs> It's on it's on Netflix and it's so good. I'm surprised. It's it's a pretty popular show when it comes to they actually age the children. You know how like Simpsons Bart's been, you know, 12 since 1987. Um mm -hmm. and even Bob's Burgers, it's perpetual same show, Family Guy, same thing. They have an age in 23 years. South Park, they don't age. You're still the same age. You're still in 4th grade. But in Big Mouth, they are having them get older. They're like sixth and then seventh and then eighth grade. And I think they're coming to ninth grade soon. But these are all things that like I forgot all about from like middle school, like insecurities that have. What was I going to say? I lost what I had in my head. But yeah, Big Mouth's a funny show. You should watch it. You can see what the shame wizard is. To learn about shame, learn about anxiety. Because <laughs> how old are you again? I'll be 32 in November. Did anxiety even exist when you were growing up? Like as a diagnosis? Yeah, like did you hear it? Like I never heard people using the term, like growing up in the 90s, I was born in 86. And so... I never really remember hearing people talk about like um, uh, I forget what I was gonna, where I was going with that. See, this has been my day. Where was I going with that, Chrissy? Help me out. 
I'm not sure, but I do remember my mom. My mom's had me when she was 37. Um, she would say, um, I'm nerves are shot. I have so much anxiety. Like, you know, I, I didn't hear like, you know, why are you so anxious? Nobody ever asked me that. I was an anxious kid. I was a shameful kid. I was a, a mess. <laughs> well, didn't you say you had ADHD? Uh, yeah, I have ADHD or trauma. I don't know what it is because they present ADHD symptoms present just as PTSD symptoms. So sometimes I look at situations or kids and I'm like, is it ADHD or is it trauma? Especially working in the mental health field um, with kids. I'm like, eh, is it ADHD or is it trauma? We just want to mask the symptoms or do we want to do the work and re rewire that nervous system? And, you know, so it's just really, it's really hard to tell in my opinion. Yeah. What's ADHD? I have I a lot of trauma as a kid, so I don't know. I could see that. I mean, it presenting the same with anxieties because why? Why wouldn't it? Why everything that has to do with our brains and the chemical imbalances that we have is so scrutinized over and over by so many different doctors that we have so many new diagnoses. It could be that. And it, there's such spectrums. Like, I was labeled as bipolar, too. Um, bipolar also, I should say, not bipolar, too. There's a difference. Um, and But, like, to me, I don't feel as bipolar as my ex, who took her own life seven years ago from being bipolar or schizophrenic. So... And it was like me saying to my doctor, um, am I bipolar? Because we're treating me with medicines that I recognize from my bipolar relationship that I was in. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we are. I said, oh, oh, okay. When were you going to tell me? We'll talk about it next session because this was all back and forth in messages. I sent a message saying, hey, I just looked up my medicines. Am I bipolar? We'll talk about it in the next session, but yeah, let's say you are. Oh. Psychiatrists yeah. are dicks like that. Therapists will be your <laughs> best friend, but psychiatrists have no bedside manner. Psychiatrists are the therapists that with no bedside manner. Like, they give zero fucks when they're saying something. Therapists, they don't want to upset you. They don't want to trigger you. A psychiatrist is like, no, I'm going to trigger you as much as I can so I can see what I can prescribe to you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was diagnosed bipolar, too, uh, when I was 16. Of course, you know, my mom, she, I was on Seroquel, and I had, like, maybe one script of that. I never got it filled, and I traded it to my neighbor friend for whatever he had, and he was quilled out for a month, and I'm like, who wants to be Seroquel out for not my business so it was like I, just kind of a joke <laughs> i took it um it was one of the things they tried to give me after ambien like they they first prescribed me ambien remember that april that i didn't sleep they first gave mm -hmm. me ambien and that wasn't touching me um then they gave me seroquel and that's how i slept that five hours that i said in between the breaks um but then seroquel put me in the hospital um, my, I took it, it was my third time taking it at 10 o'clock at night or whatever. 
And I was laying there, like you're supposed to lay in bed right away. And I'm laying there, and my heart feels like it's beating through my chest. And we have the cuff thing for blood pressure and heart rate and all that. For And um, so I did that. This was at 11 o'clock at night. My blood pressure was at like 180 over 120. And my beats per minute were like 150. Like my heart rate was like 150 or something like that or 180 beats per minute. So I Googled the thing you're not supposed to do with, you know, when you when you have presenting with um, what are they called um, symptoms when you're presenting symptoms the last thing you're supposed to do is google said symptoms because you're gonna you're gonna spiral yourself out but i googled um raised heart rate on seroquel and it said immediately go to the hospital like in all black bold it says you could be dying. Like it wasn't even like <laughs> it wasn't even like like there was no bedside manner from Google. Google gave zero fucks about my little feelings, and th- it was like, do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars, go directly to the fucking hospital and tell them what you did. You might be dying. You might be. You might already be dead by the time you finish this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You were supposed to die three days ago. Went to the hospital. (laughs) Went to the hospital. They loaded me up with Ativan. They're like, you're not leaving until you're. They're like, did you drive yourself here? I'm like, yeah. They're like, with your heart rate that high, you drove here? I'm like, yeah. I'm not speeding, literally. Just because my heart rate's up doesn't mean I'm going to drive 90 here. They're like, well, you can't leave until your heart rate's at 90 beats per minute, the normal rate. And plus, we're going to give you a bunch of Ativan or whatever it was, straighten your IV to try to calm you down. And, yep, after about four hours, I left the hospital um, at like four in the morning. Might have been like 4.30. I remember being around 4.20 and giggling to myself because I'm a child and that makes me giggle. Um but yeah, Circle sucks. <laughs> Moral of the story, Circle sucks. Put me in the hospital day 3 of doing it. Took the rest of the prescription right into the toilet. Like there's some weird alligators in the toilet right now high as shit on my Circle. <laughs> that shit. <laughs> but yeah, it's you know that's the joys of sobriety, <laughs> right? When you take a medication as prescribed and it puts you in the hospital anyway. And so yeah, I don't do Syracuse anymore. <laughs> Long story short, yeah, moral of the that. story, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> So, but medications, yeah, like, I could see why you'd want to be off them, because it sucks being on them. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, like, giving it a, I'm doing the opposite of what I tell everybody usually, like, like I said to you earlier, I always tell people, give it a year, you know what I mean? Like, give it a year and see what sobriety looks like for you. For me, it's give it a year of taking medicines as prescribed by doctors to see how you really feel to see what you need or don't need i'm 
like I was my own doctor for far too long in addiction for me to pretend to be my own doctor now. You know what I mean? So for me, and I still use cannabis, um, but I don't like smoke it. Moral of the story is I don't smoke. I try not to smoke. It It's too much of an escapism right away. For me, if I take an edible and like in two hours, it may or may not hit me. That's one thing. But if I'm trying to escape something in the moment with weed, then it's a problem. In my opinion, if I'm like, oh, this person upset me, I'm going to go home and smoke weed about it and I'll feel a lot better. And eh, that's where it's cut it. Right. That's where it's that's when you're addicted to weed. So people all the time say you can't be addicted to weed. Yes, you fucking can. It's mm-hmm. all about how and why you are using it. So I think anybody can have a problem with anything, even if they are taking their own medications. They it just you know if you're an addict or not. Deep down, you know if you're a fucking addict. Let's be real. A lot of us, like I knew it early on. Early, early on, I knew, like, hey, not everybody does this every day, JD. Not everybody spends their day trying to score and trying to find money to score. Get over it. You're not, it's not cute anymore. You know, that, I chalked that up to, that was my 20s. Is what it is. That was my 20s. Can't change it now. A lot of lessons learned and take with me. I don't dwell over anything bad that I did in my addiction. Anyone that I screwed over, I'm sorry that I screwed you over, but I honestly felt in that moment, if I didn't have that money, it was going to be death for me. That's how I felt in those moments of desperation of like lying to this person for money or lying to that person for money or... Line of my dealer for spots. <laughs> like, front me or I'll, you know, front KMS. Street, here I am. Front me or I KMS. You know what I mean? Like, it's on you if I do it. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Yeah. So there's some shame there. But I don't let it, like, affect me to the point where, like, I need to get high or drink about it. Right. Um, but thank you for being another guest for another season. This is the third season, and so you've been on one, two, and three. I think besides Mikey, you know, Mikey didn't make it on season two. It was a brief season. So yeah, yeah, you were the only one that's hit now seasons one, two, and three for an episode in each one. Woo. Are you still posting talks all the time? Um, it's slowed down the last week or so um just starting a new job and um honestly trying to kind of change how i am putting stuff out there um like i said i've rebuilt relationships with my family and um i've been able to forgive them and as well as have them forgive me and i just want to like direct it in a more positive direct my content more positively as opposed to like what was me and these are bad people yeah, it's funny More that just like growth. I funny I finally know what it's like to have um a busy TikTok page. Um Yeah. 
Have you ever heard of the comedians Tom Segura or Burt Kreischer? I think I heard of Tom Segura, but uh, he's on sure. Netflix. He's on Netflix. He and Tom Segura is on Netflix. He has a bunch of specials there, and Burt Kreischer also has a bunch of Netflix specials. And they have a podcast called Two Bears One Cave, and it's them just joking around for an hour. It's the first podcast that I actually loved right like right away and got really into podcasting. Um, you have a TikTok that's Two Bears One Cave. Two Bears One Talk. You saw it. I saw it because it says from your contacts, and I'm like, who? But who? Did you go to my numbers? I have, yeah. I have 105,000 followers there. I know, and I'm like, who is this? Like, Why is this person like in my contacts, and contacts. I don't know them on TikTok? And I don't know who they are, and, and I'm like, yeah, okay, now I know. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I have, last I looked was 105 and change, and all I do all day, not all day long, but like, if I'm going to, it's been a breath of fresh air in the last six months. It's all like, you know how we said early on beginning of this, like you're the average of the five people you're with. And you talked about that at nauseum. And I talk about that now at nauseum because of you. Um, but it's also the average of the five things that you're watching. If you're watching and listening to and listening to all these things, your brain is not going to be happy because it's here in dark, dark, dark. So what I've been doing is like, all I do now is like, okay, I'm going to spend two hours trying to find three funny posts to make that are all Bert or Tom. So I'll watch them on podcasts. I'll listen to them on podcasts. I'll watch them together on a podcast. I'll watch them doing stand-up alone to find content to, like, edit and add the subtitles and dial it all up, make it pretty. Um I'll do all that. I'll spend two hours laughing at this video while I'm editing it. And then I post it and I'm like, I'm making people laugh because also like my dad got sick since the show. Um, like my dad and I are best friends. Like we share the same name. We share a lot of things. Um, and he has stage four colon cancer now. And so mm -hmm. like, but he likes those guys. So I've been able while I made that account, because I know my dad watches TikTok and I wanted to make him laugh. So I made that account to post funny things from my favorite comedians to make my dad laugh. And then now I have 105,000 followers. That's crazy. When I wasn't even trying, I wasn't trying to, like, I was just trying to fuck around. And so, of course, that's the one thing that hits for me is no one knows it's me. Unless I tell them. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. me. Next time you see that pop up in your suggestions, go ahead and click that follow. I got you. Because <laughs> I will make you laugh. I will post shit that's funny. You know what I mean? Like, that's all I'm doing from that page. Is, but I don't see who's followed me because there's so many. Like, every time I go on TikTok, it's 99 plus new followers every single time I go on. I've had three videos hit 2 million views. So when you have three different videos trending that much, your inbox, I just shut off every notification. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what these women have to go through with these big accounts. <laughs> like, all people are just like reaching out thinking I'm a comedian. I'm a comedian, but they think I'm Bert or Tom. 
and I have to, I made it. So the bio says fan page for Bert and Tom, not Bert and Tom. And, but then I just did this morning. I was like, why am I not using my, all my links on this page? Like, obviously I qualify. I have a thousand people that follow me so I can put a live link. Why am I not dropping my links? Guess what was available for a link name? What? Our links. A, I mean, O-U-R, our links. So now I put all Mikey's shit in there and all of my social medias in there, and it's all our links. Okay. And it's such an easy name, our, like, our links, that it's not like it's, you know, JD's link tree or anything, like, stupid. And it's been getting a... I look at that. I look at that. I look at numbers. I told you I'm most city about numbers. Uh, thank you for coming back, Chrissy. I'm glad that we got to catch My up pleasure. this way. Like we could have, we we did catch up in text, but it was really, by the way, by the way, by the way. You know, it wasn't a full on conversation, and I was kind of waiting to talk to you this way because why wouldn't? Yeah. We catch up this way. Like that's our friendship evolved from this, so it should have been that way so i appreciate coming back on for season three and catching up and being extremely honest most people that are in recovery lie about the little slips and you're like nope i'm putting them on my fucking wall yeah i have to accountability yeah for me so i appreciate that as somebody who is just was a fan of you before we met you know just from your tiktoks So yeah, I do I appreciate, appreciate the, the authenticity that you do try to emulate. It's not like you came on here like, no, I haven't had a drink in six years. You're realistic <laughs> about it. Yeah. So I appreciate it. my pleasure. That. So yeah. we'll talk soon. Good to see you. Okay. All right. It was All nice right. chatting Bye. again. Bye. Yeah. Bye.